Dan Bongino. They've been tweeting to me, Bongino's a nut, Bongino's a blanker, blanker. The Dan Bongino Show. Everywhere big government gets bigger, corruption grows bigger, and these liberals just keep going on and on and on about how great big government is, and they can't prove to you any examples of how wonderful big government is almost anywhere. Get ready to hear the truth about America. Young kids, you are too stupid to figure out your health insurance needs, so we're going to hammer your cabooses to death until you figure out that the government knows what's best and you're an idiot. On a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Renegade Republican with Dan Bongino. Producer Joe, how are you today? Man, I'm doing good. What a day, man. Gosh, folks, um, what a somber day. You know, I my daughter is uh, is at a school. It's you know Florida. The schools end early, so you know I don't wake up as early. I usually got up at about six six thirty, and I take her to school. But lately, I've been getting up at about seven o'clock or so. And uh, today, I was super tired. I was out late uh, last night doing some uh, jujitsu with my daughter, and I was kind of beat up. So I'm sleeping, and my phone goes off, and it's a text, and I roll over. And I look and it's, uh, you know, Fox. And they said it was a text from a, a booker. And, hey, can you come on? We just breaking news about a shooting. And I thought, please, God, tell me no. And I looked at the details and I was like, this is unbelievable, Joe. I mean, this is this is incredibly. I, mm-hmm. You know, as a, guys and ladies, you know, I was a former Secret Service agent. That's not a mystery to anybody. I've been warning about this for a long time. If you listen to this show, I have been on cable news. I've been doing this show and I've been talking about the consequences of depersonalizing your political opponent and making it a good versus bad fight instead of a good versus bad ideas fight. Folks, those are two entirely different things. You know, there's. The other day I was discussing critical theory and how the left a long time ago decided to embrace what's known as critical theory. Please look this up. And in critical theory, you're taught to view your political opponents as the oppressor versus you, the oppressed. You're taught to create victim groups, whether they're groups based on sexuality, race, religion, culture, a common language. And those groups are victims of the oppressed. And by doing that, you create a, a moral opposition, a, a good versus bad fight, not a good versus bad ideas fight. In other words, taxes, Joe, doesn't become about a tax rate and what's the best tax policy for growth. Mm-hmm. Taxes become about the evil white patriarchal structure stealing money from the little guy and you therefore have to fight back on moral grounds, not policy ones. Mm-hmm. Do you understand how that argument can inflame passions? Folks, we are in such... A dangerous time right now with the political temperature of the country. I don't want to be hyperbolic right now because it's not the appropriate time for it. I mean, we have obviously we went through a civil war. Yeah, obviously in the Vietnam era with the protests that were inflamed political passions. But I'm 42 and maybe you all can send me emails and tweet me if if I haven't seen anything like this in the last 40 years. I mean, there was obviously a lot of rage directed at George W. Bush. I know I was on his security detail as an agent for three years. I remember the protests. But what I don't remember is a persistent daily call for treason charges, impeachment, mm-hmm. mock decapitation, mock assassination. The guy's been in office. What, uh, what, what are we even at six months? Yeah, six. I'm losing track of time. 
Trump's been in office six months. There, there, there have been calls by Madonna to blow up the White House. Kathy Griffin to, to chop his head off. Uh, this isn't funny. No. Just let me get the as quick sponsor out of it. You have to pay for the show. My apologies, and I know Brickhouse would understand if we, uh, but uh, they do pay for the show. So just quickly before we go on, uh, today's show brought to you by a Brickhouse Nutrition as well. They're our, our buddies over there, the good guys, Miles and Adam. Um, thanks to everybody who supports our sponsors. Uh, they have a product, an energy product out there, which is going to come in handy for me today. It's going to be a really long day. I'm in for Mark Levin tonight uh, called Dawn to Dusk. It's a great product, folks. Uh, give it a shot. It does not have the down uh, downsides of these energy drinks where you drink them and you collapse an hour later because you're so tired. It gives you a nice 10-hour boost in energy. It's great for CrossFitters, working parents out there, cops, firemen, military folks. They get a lot of great feedback. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan, and uh, go check it out. So I, I appreciate that. I know we do live reads on the show, so I know this isn't exactly the time, but uh, you, I hope you all understand. These guys do pay for a sponsorship, and I know they would understand, too, if we uh, if we decided not to do it, but it is, uh, we do have to pay for the show. Um, again, when you view your political opponent as an oppressor, they're not worthy of dignity. I can't say that enough. And that is what critical theories encourage. And why critical theory, folks, is so dangerous is that it's being taught in our schools. So you may say to yourself, let's say you're a parent out there and your daughter or son is going to college and all of a sudden has this hate for Trump like you've never seen. You're like, gosh, that's my daughter, my son. Mm-hmm. I never saw such, such, you know, such, such nastiness before. You have to understand, like, even if they don't understand what critical theory is, critical theory has imbued our academic institutions, and they're the ones filtering these ideas down to your kids. Now, folks, we don't know the motivation of the shooter yet. I want to be crystal clear on this. We don't. I don't. We'll have to update the show tomorrow. I'm, I'm watching this right now. Uh, it's just, the show is as, as it's not live, but it's as live as possible. I mean, we're, yeah. it's on the air 20 minutes after we're done. But regardless of the motivation of the shooter, the political temperature in the country has got to be dialed down if we're to proceed forward as a, as a representative democracy and a constitutional republic. There is no other way. How can we have a system, Joe, where when one side loses the Democrats, the other side, the Republicans or the oppressors and are be taken out by any means necessary? How? What, what is this, the third world? Mm. Guys. This critical theory also focuses on objective versus subjective. Everything to them is subjective, meaning it's only seen through the eye of the beholder. There are no objective facts to them. Everything is to reinforce this power structure, and this power structure has to be dismantled at all costs. That's how why we've seen the growth of this Antifa, which they think stands for anti-fascist, but I'm telling you stands for anti-First Amendment, because you're not allowed to speak. In their world, your subjective view of the world, if you're a white male who's a conservative or a Republican, is only there. It doesn't matter. No matter what facts you have, no matter what information you have, it's irrelevant. You are the oppressor and you need to be stopped. Folks, this is critical that we stop this stuff. Now, a couple things on this, a couple facts I want to put out there from my perspective as as an agent. There's no question in my mind that this was an act of targeted violence. I don't think that's a mystery to anyone at this point. A couple factors here, things that we already know that are facts that indicate that this was targeted violence, meaning it wasn't random, obviously. It wasn't a robbery. I don't think it was a, you know, a, a disgruntled spouse, a, a crime of passion. This was targeted violence. Yeah. Uh, we have a rifle. You know, usually the acts of, if, in my experience, when you look at emo, uh, crimes of passion, emotional crimes, you know, uh, 
again, a, 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 a spouse who's involved in domestic violence, who's beating up another spouse and wants to, you know, sadly end it or or, you know, it, crimes of passion is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Usually those acts are up close and personal because that person wants the other person to know that they did it. So let's say, you know, you're a, uh, you know, you're in an abusive relationship and the, and the husband or the wife or whatever has been stalking you. If they're going to do something like this, they're going to go do it up close and personal. Obviously, in this case, it wasn't a husband or a wife, but I'm just trying to tell you that these crimes of passion, I'm using that example. Does that make sense, Joe, to show you that these are usually up close and personal crimes? You wouldn't use a rifle. A rifle shot from a distance, given the length of the barrel, makes it easier to do your act from a distance. Mm -hmm. So you, you would typically use a handgun, a knife, whatever, a baseball bat, whatever it may be, and you want that person to know it was you that did it. So this says to me that this was an act of targeted violence directed at a group of people, whether it, you know, targeted violence can be a political assassination, it can be school violence. It was targeted at a very specific group. Now, There were some reports earlier, if you heard Congressman Ron DeSantis, who is a congressman down here, I think, in the 6th District in Florida. Um, I know Ron is a really good guy. Uh, He was at the practice, the baseball practice in Virginia, Joe, and he had said at one point that um, someone in the parking lot had approached them. He left early. The shooting happened at 7.15, and he had left at 7 o'clock, and he said that a strange-looking man had walked up to him and asked him, now this is, folks, this is really odd, and had asked him, are those Republicans or Democrats out there on the field? Now, if that's true, I'm not, I have no reason to question Ron's a good man. He was a JAG officer in the military. He's you no know, reason to lie about this. That adds another layer of complexity and just confirms my story. Number one, it was a rifle use, meaning it was a distance event, meaning the guy was looking to impact maximum casualties, but wasn't so much concerned about getting up in their face like some kind of crime of passion would be. But secondly, if he did ask someone if those are Republicans or Democrats and then started firing because he heard they were Republicans, folks, this is really even worse. This is incredibly dangerous. Now, I want to get to a possible solution here because me, you know, given my Secret Service perspective without a way to fix this is kind of useless. But before I do that, and folks, I rarely do this. I, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know, I mean, Joe, we, how many times have we played my clips? Once nah, or twice, maybe in two once years? Once or twice, maybe. Yeah, I, I try not to do that because it's, you know, you it's kind of stupid. Like, hey, listen to me and now listen to me again on tape. But this is critical, folks. I want to play this clip I did. It's short. Uh, from Fox and Friends this weekend to show you that I'm not just making this up out of nowhere. People like me, I'm not the only one. There have been a bunch of people, Mark Levin, Limbaugh, Hannity, who've been saying for a long time, we have to dial down the temperature against Trump. Something's going to happen for a long time. But I want you to listen to these words. I had said to Sandra Smith, Steve Ducey, and Brian uh, Kilmeade uh, this weekend, or whoever was filling in on Fox and Friends. On, uh, on the weekend show. Play the cut, Joe. I'm not surprised by this at all. You know, the party of JFK, the Democrat Party, has been on a slow decline since then, and they've lost their moral base. Again, I'm not talking about all Democrats, but you have to understand the modern far leftist, the modern liberal, sees the world in terms of the good and the bad guys, the oppressor versus the oppressed. They don't care what ends they need to justify their means, which is removing Trump from power. If it's normalizing violence against them, if it's using outrageous, outlandish language, if it's making up false crimes against them, like the Trump-Russia fairy tale, the conspiracy theory, they don't care. They've lost any moral bedrock. And the left has gone mad with rage. Hear that last line? Mm -hmm. The left has gone mad with rage. Folks, I use my words on cable television very, very carefully. That's not my show. That's their show. On my show, I can say what I want. 
um, and I do. I'm very careful on cable because it's it's a national audience. It's not my show. Some people may not know me, and I'm a little more deliberate. Those of you listening to the show understand the context of my words. You can see what I'm getting at, Joe. They'll understand it because yeah. you're regular listeners to the show. I can tell by how our download patterns work. Even the people who join in typically download the entire library as they come on board. Mm-hmm. I am careful. I use that term rage very deliberately, and I used it in turn, uh, in conjunction with, excuse me, with the term normalizing violence. The left is normalized violence. And, uh, and what I mean by normalizing violence, to not uh, to get lost in a sea of word salads here, is... When something happens on the right that involves, let me give you an example. I, I was, I'm an activist at heart. I, I love doing rallies and speeches and things like that. That's, that was my thing. That's what I always did uh, before I got into podcasting and running for office and stuff. I really enjoy it. I was at, and I know, Joe, you've probably been at some too in your morning show. when you were, sure. You ever been at a conservative rally where some knucklehead shows up with a flag that says, like, kill Obama or something like that? That guy is almost immediately every time thrown out by the organizers. Folks, uh, this is not a, I'm not arguing the point. If you're a liberal listening and you're like, yeah, right. Just turn off the show. I really don't care. I was there. I saw it. I can tell you the actual events where it happened. Gun rallies in Maryland, mm-hmm. Second Amendment rallies. There was a rally in D.C. with the government shutdown. I was there when I saw people thrown out for, frankly, less than that. The signs didn't even say that. I've seen it. Joe, I know you've seen it. I know you've heard about it. I know Sean, who you do the morning show with, has seen it himself. Mm -hmm. The right does a darn good job, not a perfect job, but a darn good job of policing itself. Conservatives do it. Again, not open for dispute. I was at the Heritage Foundation um, for my book. It's still out there on YouTube. If you Googled Bongino Heritage Foundation, a lady got up, said something entirely, I thought, inappropriate about Obama. I said, listen, that, that's just not true. And uh, you saying it at this event doesn't make it true. I could have said, oh, yeah, it's only conservatives. Don't worry. I'm just going to pile on. I didn't do it. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to beatify myself. I'm just saying we do a good job of policing ourselves. The only way to stop the normalization of violence, in other words, the the the, the lack of outrage is to show some outrage when it happens, Joe. Yep. Where are the where's Nancy Pelosi? Seriously, where's retired Senator Harry Reid? Where's Chuck Schumer? Where's Barack Obama? Where are them on statements, written press statements or 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 press conferences, giving a press conference going, listen, let's just lay it out. I this is what I'd like to see from them to stop the normalization of violence. We disagree with Trump. I don't like his tax policy. I don't like his Obamacare policy. I don't like his public education policy. Frankly, I don't like anything about Trump. This is them talking, not me. Right. Okay. But mock assassinations, mock decapitations, shutting down free speech, assaulting people on college campuses, ripping their signs down, and treating them like animals is completely, entirely inappropriate. We wouldn't accept it from conservatives. And liberals, it's time to wake up. Where's the speech? Where's the speech? Where's the speech? Where is that? Joe, have you heard it? Am I missing something? Nope. Crickets, Dan. Crickets. Uh, You're damn right, crickets. You're damn right, crickets, because you're on the air four hours every morning on a conservative show in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And this is what Sh- Sean has been talking about this forever. Sean Casey, by that Sean Hannity. This is morning show with Joe forever. Where's the left? You know, I said to an interviewer on Fox Business who called me, Joe, do you remember them? 
John McCain presidential rally, Bill Cunningham, the radio host, gets up and he called uh, Obama Barack Hussein Obama. And McCain went nuts. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And he was McCain was like, he got out. That was entirely inappropriate. Folks, the guy used Obama's middle name, never yeah. said anything else about him personal that was going to be like an insult or, God forbid, a call for assassination or to blow up the White House. He used Obama's middle name and McCain went crazy. We got to stop this. It was a national outcry. Where's the outcry amongst the left right now? All he did was use Obama's middle name. They had a rodeo clown, Joe, put an Obama mask on. They didn't do a fake decapitation. People, the guy got fired. He was the subject of national news stories humiliating this guy. Because conservatives police their own. Where's the left right now, folks? Where are you guys? Don't vote for us. Fine. Whatever. You want to hike taxes? Vote your people in office and do it. You love Obamacare? Vote your people in office and defend it. You love the public education system status quo? Fine. Defend it. But where are you on this? On, on speech suppression? On political violence. Folks, again, it doesn't matter what the motive of the shooter is now. I mean, it matters for the investigation later on, but it doesn't matter for this conversation. If this guy, it turns out tomorrow, Joe, I mean, I'll give you a, a hypothetical, but I absolutely mean this. Let's say tonight we find out that the computer, uh, excuse me, the shooter, I'm looking at my computer right now. I'm so fired up about this topic. If we find out tonight, that the shooter thought there were Democrats on the field and it was a Tea Party guy, this exact same conversation will happen tomorrow. I promise you, you have my word. Mm. It, it doesn't matter if the guy had an R versus a D behind his name. It doesn't matter if he shared Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump stuff on Facebook. It doesn't matter if he shared Hillary Clinton versus Ted Cruz's stuff on Facebook. It doesn't matter. He's a savage and the political temperature has got to be dialed down. My Lord, and I'm not using his name in vain. Do we need him now more than ever? Fight for what you believe in. But fighting for what you believe in doesn't include actually fighting the other guy. This is not, you know, Idi Amin, so is a Uganda. <laughs> this is a United States. We're a constitutional republic. Oh, my gosh. Ugh, getting bombarded while we're on this. While we're doing our podcast, my phone is like ringing off the hook. By, wow. the, way. I, I, by the way, I'll be in for Levin tonight. Uh, please tune in, Mark Levin. And uh, I'll be doing a couple Fox and Fox Business things if you want to listen in uh, as well. Hey, um, one more sponsor. I want to get to another angle on this too, because again, I want to propose some kind of viable solutions. Um, hey, listen, the, you know, the stock market's up, it's down. I, I, as you know, listening to the show, I'm very concerned with my financial condition, securing my food supply. That's why we have the sponsors we do, my Patriot Supply. And one of them I really like is Birch Gold. I'm getting a little older, concerned about my income stream. Not that old, but old enough to start worrying about it. Stock market's up, it's down, it's very volatile. Diversify your assets, folks. Birch Gold has actual precious metals, gold and silver. They actually sent me some silver. I said, guys, you got to send it to me because I want to look at it. I want to feel it. I want to touch it. I want to see it. They sent me five ounces. They have a, uh, a plan right now where they can back your IRA 
or eligible 401k, but with an IRA backed with physical gold and silver. All I'm asking is you go check it out. You can get a free 16-page guide. It's comprehensive. It explains everything you need to know. They're not going to charge you for it. There's no strings attached at all. Go to Birch Gold. That's B-I-R-C-H gold.com slash Dan. Ask for your free 16-page guide. That's birchgold.com slash Dan. And folks, these guys are A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. Please do your own homework on it. They have countless five-star ratings. You can check them out yourself. Go check it out. See how you can get your IRA into one backed by gold and silver. A little less volatility, a little security in your income stream. Protect yourself against inflation. Birchgold.com slash Dan. Okay. Uh, solution wise, again, so number one, we have to dial down the temperature and the temperature is only going to be dialed down if Democrats take over the conversation at this point, talk to their media, Dem media complex, their media friends, because they're not friends to Republicans. And they start giving public statements about this, which dials this stuff down. But secondly, is the security arrangements. Now, a couple people have asked me, they don't have, well, it wasn't it Secret Service. No, Secret Service does not uh, protect the yeah, members of the House and Senate. They have no they're they're not involved with that at all. We have nothing to do with that. The United States Secret Service protects the president, his family, the vice president's family, foreign heads of state. They also have details on some people in the White House who the president uh, you know deems necessary. And the DHS secretary has a Secret Service detail as well. So they don't protect foreign ministers. They protect foreign heads of state and uh, the, the basically the heads of our government, the president, vice president, and their families. Members of Congress, some select members, folks, do have security details, but those details aren't Secret Service. They are U.S. Capitol Police. Very good guys. I've uh, trained with them before. Attended a uh, intelligence and surveillance class with a lot of these guys. Really good, really talented, really uh, smart law enforcement officers. They have a uniform division. Those are the guys outside the Capitol in the in the blue uniforms, and they have a plainclothes division with the earpieces that does what basically Secret Service does. They do uh, dignitary protection for their guys. Now, one of the questions I was getting from media people this morning is, well, who gets protection and who doesn't? Well, here are the the general rules on that: are leadership has protection. Uh, all the time. So uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, Chuck Schumer, the leadership of both parties, Paul Ryan, uh, Steve Scalise, who was the House Majority Whip, and he's in a leadership position, and Kevin McCarthy, the House Majority Leader, um, they have details also on the Democratic side. It's not a partisan thing. Does that make sense, Joe? Mm-hmm. The other rank yeah. and file members, so you know the members up, like, I don't think there are any leadership members in Maryland. Uh, or down here in Florida, they don't have details. They do not have security. That may surprise a lot of people. Um, these guys don't have security details. Now, I, folks, I'm, someone said to me, well, are they going to get security details now? Uh, folks, there are 535 members when you factor in the House and Senate, 435 members and 100 members of the Senate. I'm telling you my history with this, that that's not even logistically possible. And here's why. Here's the the, the takeaway from this. Security for them is a zero-sum game, Okay. So, Joe, if you have a uniformed Capitol Police officer who's, let's say, a, a, his his post is the entrance to the Rayburn building, mm-hmm. that post has to be filled 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there are, say, three people plus like a backup. So there's four people do it. The minute you take four of those guys and say, hey, you're going to go protect Congressman X from Florida. Well, what do you do about the, the, the door to the building? It's zero sum. In other words, you take from one. You're going to have to take from somewhere else. And there's just not enough manpower. Now, with the Secret Service, it's different. We have a limited portfolio of protectees. We have the president, the vice president, foreign heads of state. It gets busy around the UN time. But we have a little bit of plasticity in there because we have field offices. So, Joe, let's say, God forbid, there was an attack against the president, right? The Secret Service can go to the New York field office and say, hey, we're bumping up the PPD, the Presidential Protective Division. Mm -hmm. We We need 50 guys. 
That can happen. That can't happen at the Capitol. Now, you may say, well, they could just hire new guys and train them. Absolutely correct. You are correct. Good point. Well done, folks, for those of you who just said that. Here's the problem. The screening process alone is about six months. The training's another six months. And then the OJT, on-the-job training, to get ready to do personal protection is probably another two or three months after that. You're at least a year away. By that time, we could already be through the midterms. You see the problem, Joe? I sure do. Okay, now I define the problem. Great. What are you going to do about it? Here's a solution I see that protects both the taxpayer interests, protects the members of Congress. Because, folks, listen, I, I know I'm going to get emails on, uh, I, and it's fine. I understand. I appreciate different perspectives. I get a lot of critical emails, a lot of positive emails. Someone's going to say, Dan, this is one incident. Let's relax. Not every member of Congress needs a security detail full time. Uh, folks, I agree. I'm not saying they do. I'm just saying that right now with the political temperature, I think it would be a pretty good idea to start to consider ways to keep. The, do you? I mean, folks, how, if this happens again, God forbid, in the next couple of weeks, I, I mean, I'm serious. The entire integrity of the constitutional republic is at stake. Like people are going to start to panic a little bit if this were to happen again. For a minuscule taxpayer cost, what we could do, Joe, in the in the interim, while we bump up the Capitol Police Force and at least give a few members at what we would call portal to portal, portal mm-hmm. to portal protection, which mm-hmm. is door to door, meaning they don't have to be there 24 hours. But let's say they pick some up, they get them to the Capitol, they bump up security while these guys are off campus a little bit. What we could do in the interim is we could work better with local law enforcement. So what happens is the way... Capitol Police will work is a lot of times if a member, if there's a legitimate threat against a member, uh, uh, a, a senator or a congressman, they go back to their district. I live in Palm City, Florida. So let's say the congressman around here goes and gives a town hall and there's a viable threat. Sometimes they'll send the Capitol Police member, but sometimes they'll work with the, I live in Martin County, they'll work with the Martin County Sheriff and they'll say, hey, can you guys provide some protection at the event, which they typically do anyway. So I think what we're going to have to do is get a little more vibrant engagement with local police officers to protect these guys when they're back in district or even with D.C. Metro right now, which covers D.C. And I know there's some jurisdictional issues, but you have D.C. Metro, you have park police in D.C., you have a number, you have Federal Protective Service. There's enough assets, uh, you see what I'm getting at, Joe, in D.C. to at least in the interim help kind of buttress the security plan because listen like i said the political temperature is way too hot right now and it's just really disturbing so i think we we really need to we really need to look into that we need to look at the bumping up the capitol police force folks it's a minuscule cost to taxpayers i am a small government guy at heart but uh, the the political uh, assassination which may have been this may be a case again of targeted violence is is a legitimate threat to the republic as we know it and don't be don't be spoiled by the fact that We've lived in such a safe place for so long that we just accept this as the status quo. It doesn't have to be. If we become a place where violence becomes completely normalized against political figures, we're going to have complete total chaos. Don't be misled by the fact that, oh, it's the United States. That won't happen here. Yeah, Those are famous last (laughs) words, believe me. By the way, folks, we're wasting money on everything else. I see no good reason to not do this. You're talking again about a minimal cost. We have a $4 trillion budget. We are wasting trillions and trillions of dollars on countless government programs that are doing absolutely nothing to actually secure the integrity of our constitutional system and make sure that we have a good, tight security net around these guys when they need it. Democrats and Republicans to get the job done free of intimidation is literally not even a a thousandth of a penny for every American. You're talking about like a minuscule, minuscule cost. It's important we understand this. Hey, 
One more note on this before we go. I had a couple other stories I was going to get to, inflation, Obamacare, but obviously in light of the events you know, today, it's probably entirely inappropriate to be discussing that stuff. I wanted to get to this instead. I, when I was an agent, I was in, we have a section in the Secret Service called Protective Intelligence. Now, Protective Intelligence, what these agents do is they investigate presidential threat cases. Now, all of those cases, this is not classified information in any way, shape, or form, by the way. There's nothing proprietary about it. They talk about it in public all the time. All of the Protective Intelligence cases are run out of the headquarters division, the headquarters division of the Secret Service. They then have sections of the field office that where the agents are out in the field. So, but the, the cases, so if there's a threat case called in into the New York field office, let's say a guy in the Bronx calls in from a payphone and says, I want to shoot the president or whatever it may be, and we go out, we get him. Then it'll be New York field agents that do that, but the headquarters section, the intelligence division will monitor and oversee the case. So when you do put a case together, that case, the first three digits of the case number are headquarters. They're not, so the New York field office, I think, was 108 or something. That was their three-digit code for the case number. So let's say, Joe, a counterfeit case in New York, it's the first case of the year. Let's say it's 108-1, right? All right. When you run a, uh, a counterfeit case, uh, that's, that's the New York case number, and you run a protective intelligence case, it'll have a headquarters uh, intelligence division uh, number before it. And the reason that is because you can't close out the case without headquarters reviewing it first. That's how seriously they take this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, these threat cases, they run them out of headquarters, but we do them. And when we do them, sorry to ramble, I'm just trying to give you some background how these things work. The agents are responsible, even rookies, for going out there and interviewing these people. I'm telling you, I've interviewed. I was in a PI squad for a long time. You have no idea what's going to inspire a lot of these people to enact a political violence. It could be anything from they change the the bread selection at their local supermarket and the guy thinks the CIA did it to I, I'm folks you may be laugh, I'm not kidding like you have no idea what's going to knock one of these people over the edge if they're thinking about an act of targeted political violence you have no idea I'm saying that because if it's if it's the bread selection in the in the supermarket that tips them over the edge what do you think this person with this severe delusional belief system who thinks the CIA is targeting him and Trump told him to do it? What do you think this person thinks when he sees Kathy Griffin holding a bloody stump head uh, st- head of Trump? That's like a stump. What do you think? She- what do you think that person thinks? What do you think that person thinks when they're watching a mock assassination for a play in New York City? What do you think that person's thinking? Folks, the answer is that person's thinking like, oh, wow, look at this. Maybe I can do that too. I've seen it. I've interviewed these people. Do not think for a second, if you're engaged in this on the left, that you're not contributing to the potential demise of someone later on if something like this happens. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.